are elite. For everything you need to know about Mercedes Monet's AEW debut, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. I would not have rested until Triple H's bollocks were hanging above the roof. Come on to the rock show. Come on to the people's show. Come on to the premiere show. Smackdown is the 2nd of December, the year of our Lord, 1999. Wamju Project, not sure if pronounced that right, but if you know who they are, you're old and probably deaf anyway. <laughs> Have the number one hit in the UK charts with King of my castle. Must be, be the, the reason why I'm king of my castle. Must be the reason why I'm making examples of you. Ah! <laughs> what a tune! I fancied her a little bit. Mm. Mm, lead the lead singer of the Wamdu Project. That's right. Used to put pause on my recordings of the box. Smash hits you control. God. <sighs> big fan of the big whammer jammer. <laughs> anyway, if you weren't listening to that, you were in the UK cinemas seeing The World Is Not Enough. Number Ooh. one for the first week. It's half good, half bad. It's all right, though. There's a lot worse <laughs> Bond. And if you weren't doing that, you were playing Unreal Tournament. Wow! Unreal Tournament time! I can't believe that's 20 years old. God. <laughs> but that is all irrelevant to the most important smackdown that has ever occurred. And maybe one of the most important things to hit human civilization since the discovery of penicillin. <laughs> but it is our job here at the Colonic Classic Smackdown Review to get you hyped. So we are going to get you primed and just leave you revving the engine with the, with the, with the handbrake the on. With the handbrake on, just making a mess. Well, <laughs> myself, Matthew Gregg, and the lovely Tom Campbell give you some added context. I was going to say context, but Tom's currently choking on a peanut cookie. So after that, he'll give you some context about what's about to happen. I'll give you some added context. Welcome to the Colonic Classic Smackdown Review. This is... Uh, if this is your first time here, welcome in. Myself and Matthew Gregg have given us ourselves the Herculean the opportunity the Herculean. It was easier for, to, for Hercules to do the twelve tasks <laughs> than it was for you to say Herculean. This is because nice, it's nice. Some people assume I never trip over my words, but I word over my trip quite a bit. Um, hey. The 
Herculean task of watching every episode of SmackDown from its very beginning until my inevitable death. One, whichever comes first. And um, we are coming to the end of 1999. The first few months of SmackDown have been a rip-roaring success. And we are now going to watch quite a pivotal moment of SmackDown. Well, I say we're about to. We have watched and we're going to discuss a rather pivotal moment uh, from the history of SmackDown. Uh, the, the SmackDown known as the SmackDown After the Wedding. <gasps> now, if you're a wrestling fan in 1999 and we say the wedding, chances are you know what wedding we're talking about. It's not a happy wedding. It's the marriage between Austin and a <laughs> passing car. <laughs> That's what I call a shotgun wedding. <laughs> Before we get into the rigors of this particular episode of SmackDown and some of the horrible, horrible uh, imagery and, and and events that occur within it uh, that don't age well at all, um, shall I give you a little bit of context as to what is happening in the wrestling world in 1999 yeah. in this so week? So you shut your eyes and everything is four by three and neon. So whilst you're listening to the Whamdo Project, King of My Castle, <laughs> uh, Rey Mysterio Jr. Uh, was undergoing knee surgery. No, 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 no. We need the news for 1999, Tom. This is knee surgery uh, after a torn ACL following. Is it? The ACL's in the knee, isn't it? Yes. The acute contradiction. ACL, he used to wrestle for NXT before he went off on that. (laughs) That was him. Um, Rey Mysterio Jr.'s injury occurred on the set of Ready to Rumble. The WCW oh, movie starring David Arquette that's due out <laughs> next year. Uh, he blames the injury on not having proper time to warm up before being sent out to do a scene. He was doing a spot uh, which called for a Frankensteiner off the top. He landed in a squat position and immediately heard his knee snap. Oh. Ready to Rumble had such an impact on people's lives. Oh, it really did. Oh, I can't wait till we talk more about Ready to Rumble next year. Next year in, in the timeline. That yes. is. It'll be this year to you and I. Exactly. Also from this year. Also, um, actually, I'll interrupt. The ACL oh, connects your do. thigh bone, femur, to your shin bone, tibia. The thigh bones connect to the shin bone. Not shin anymore, Ray. <laughs> you can't sing that song in the, in the waiting room. <laughs> uh, Bret Hart in the Calgary Sun caused a bit of a rift oh. in the family when he discussed... Tom Billington's book, Pure Dynamite. Did you have a copy of Pure Dynamite? No, couldn't buy it anywhere when it came out. So I used to have a copy, but I think I threw it out. Not out of anger, but when I had a clear out, the book was so bent and frayed from multiple reads that I ended up chucking it. appropriate for the Tom Billington book, you think about it. (laughs) Yeah. But what do you remember about it, Tom? so much. I remember it being quite an angry tome. I remember it being quite a bitter tome. I seem to remember him telling the story of, like, weirdly told in a proud... In, in a proud way, about how a young man came to his door, um, cautiously, humbly asking for steroids, to which he supplied him with horse steroids and sat with him as he gave him his first steroid injection. And he goes to say, that man's name was Chris Benoit. It's like, why are you telling this like a proud dad? Like, watching him like score a home run on the, on the softball team. Oh, I remember this young man. I gave him his first steroids. His name was Chris Benoit. Wonder what happened after that. But, 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 So the whole book is just, it, it's littered with stuff like that. It talks a lot about how much uh, Tom Billington and David Boy Smith dislike one another. I think it, it feels like it's more... It's 60-40 Billington, <laughs> to be honest. Um, 
but I remember there's a lot of stuff in there that's that's quite angry and quite aggressive. As Bret Hart noticed, he wrote in the Calgary Sun where he had a column in the Calgary Sun. He said, one thing that didn't turn out the way I liked it uh, was Dynamite Kid's book. As great as a wrestler as he was, I'm saddened to realize in addition to injuring his elbows, knees, shoulders and back, he's broken his brain too. <laughs> uh, Bret Hart then uh, talks through the factual errors in Tom Billington's book for an entire column. Uh, which is, which I'm sure was a rip-roaring oh, rip read, as it were. Um, Tom Billington responded, saying, I won't deny there are things in the book that certain people, including Brett, might not like. The fact of the matter is, the truth sometimes hurts. And whether people like it or not, everything in that book is true. But in saying that about me, it's a shame that Brett doesn't also remember just how much effort I put into getting him over in the ring, in Stampede, in Japan, and in the WWWF. I do. I remember it every single day. Ooh. Well, so Brett was like, you've lied about stuff. And Tom Billingsley went, don't want to lost to you. <laughs> it's, a, it's a bit bitter and a bit silly. I add on to that. I remember World of Wrestling gave an interview with Tom Pennington, and which is quite rare. Mm. Still, obviously, a lot rarer now. <laughs> but, uh, sorry. And, because he's dead. And that's right, dead sick of answering <laughs> questions from fans. <laughs> and he said, I believe it was Bret Hart gave his endorsement to the book until he didn't put him over like he was king of the world. So I think that was the words, the effect of what he said. So I think that was it. And it is weird because they did, uh, High Spots went over to interview him. Mm. Um, a few years ago and they were like we'll do a shoot interview with Dynamite Kid no one's done this wow okay. why has no one done this with this legendary wrestler because he's a knacker <laughs> so they had to like <laughs> fill it with wrestlers going how great he was and how awesome we cut to this guy just goes like so what was your memories of uh, 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 I was good <laughs> and that's it for apparently two hours uh, oh. but there's uh, they ask about some of the crazy stories that you've heard about him that might be in the book I don't remember if you know about I'm gonna, to sum up this nice comedic podcast we do about breaking someone's ankles for the insurance money there was something about that in the book yeah they asked him about it and goes, is that real because people thought that that wasn't a real thing and he went yeah so he's honest about the bad stuff he's done yeah at least there's, there's many faults about him but he goes no I did that I, I own up to it I'm like who have I got to lie to yeah I did do these horrible things so maybe Brett's like uh yeah one time I'll admit me and Dynamite we had a two and a half star match in Japan <laughs> Anyway, what else is in the news? Um, the WWF theme restaurant at Times Square sadly has hit delays. WWF New York <laughs> was scheduled to open uh, around Christmas and, or New Year's. It's going to miss both. It's opening on the 19th of January, the day after my little brother's birthday. Oh, how nice. I'm sure they planned. Uh, I'm really sad. I don't know about you. I never got to go to WWF New York at all during its, its lifetime. Yeah. Would have even I would have even taken going to the world as it right. got renamed because <laughs> they realised nobody wants to go to a WWF themed restaurant so let's pare it down a touch. Yeah, and it's it's good that they picked you know a, a small area to test this out if that doesn't cut New York. <laughs> Wasn't there one before this in Niagara Falls? Adjusting my foot. I was going to say, wait, wait. <laughs> I, I as said, I lift these heavy uh, crates I, right next to the I set. I said that as I as I propped my leg up, so it looked as if I'd made an indecent proposal to Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't there a Niagara Falls? It's a new chat up line. Um, no, I'm sure there was because I, Artie Reynolds from Wrestle Crap often drinks out of his WWF Niagara Falls cup. 
So I assumed there was a WWF in Niagara Falls before WWF New York. There was a Math convention centre, I believe. Oh, it was a retail store. Oh, okay. So it was a shop. It wasn't a restaurant. Uh, yeah. It was, yeah. It was actually called WWE Niagara Falls. When we get to next year, the grand opening, I think we should look at the menu of WWF New York. Oh, I'd love that. The only thing I remember about WWF New York was... Other than to go, hey, here in New York, New York on Sunday Night Heat, here's a wrestler who's not booking the pay-per-view to go, yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. Um, other than those little moments we'll get to was the fact that they staged a uh, one of the few boxing matches the Howard Stern Show put on uh, between like two very authentic people tending to have a feud and all this. And one time Triple H and Austin were there like watching. He's like, oh, so what do you guys think? Obviously a lot of co-promotion there. And they're like, oh man, I can't wait. Because they're both drunk. Like, <laughs> these idiots are sat lumped into your potatoes <laughs> and give each other CTE for people's enjoyment. It's going to be so good. <laughs> and they're like, we were through, so who have you got winning? They're like, oh, we don't care. <laughs> Blind drugs. We're, like, just, <laughs> we're just here for the bands mainly. Yeah. Um, Diamond Dallas Page. Uh, was on the WCW tour in Canada when WCW and WWF crossed paths. Never happened that often, but every so often a tour would see oh. the WCW guys and the WWF guys meet up. Now, I remember reading in Power Slam that it was on this tour that DDP oh. um, saw Vince McMahon in an airport and ran up and gave him a hug and said, at last we finally meet. Oh. I seem to remember that being... It might not have been this time. It might have been another time. It might have been something that Greg Lambert made up. We don't know. Uh, um, but on this tour, according to Dave Meltzer from the Wrestling Observer, TDP spoke with The Big Show and about some opportunities within WWF. TDP's mm. contract uh, had about two and a half years left on it. And he was aware that with Eric Bischoff not a part of WWF, uh, WCW at this point, that his, his wingman in the locker room had, had gone. So he was aware that he was probably not going to get a push anytime soon. So he was looking for pastures new. So he was uh, starting to get the feelers out there for DDP mm. moving to WWF. Will that happen? We did not know. I'm going to get this one, one final thing from this particular year. Um, a fitness model has been showing some skill and interest in the wrestling world. She's been part of live audio wrestling a few times as, as it's based in Canada, where she's from. Good God. And was backstage at WCW Mayhem. Terry Taylor encouraged this fitness model to join WCW. At the same time, Scott Levy, a.k.a. Raven, had approached her about coming to ECW. However, this particular week in the year of our Lord, 1999, she signed a three-year developmental deal uh, with the idea that she would become an in-ring wrestler and wouldn't be involved in any nudity-based storylines. Her name was Patricia Ann Strategius. Never heard of it, Tom. <laughs> this was uh, Trish Stratus signing on the dotted line what? for the WWF. That's Trish. not a real name. <laughs> Trish signing on the dotted line for the WWF in this particular oh, year. Nice. I didn't realise she'd been courted by WCW yeah, and ECW. She obviously had something about her. Yeah. There's something about Trish if everybody wants. To. Obviously, she's a beautiful woman, but obviously, but beyond that, she's obviously shown some some interest, some acumen, some skill. Mm. Enough for them to go, come on down. So it's weird. Someone did a podcast in 99 and they were, hey, do you want to work for us, the big leagues? Isn't that what we're all imagining in our heads? Mm. <laughs> it's between Trish Stratus and Ryan Sutton. <laughs> Get in. But never Ryan mind Sat that. Ryan Sutton oh. got cracking breasts. <laughs> <laughs> I 
But never mind that. <laughs> okay, never mind that. Matt. Because we need to get on away. We need to start the future attraction. All the trailers have been out the way. All the ba 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 ba. Monday Night Raw recap. Oh, man. And what? A, let's see if we can get this going. I never felt like this before. I'll put the proper pronunciation. Our love will last forever. Together. Just you and me forever. Oh. It's a wedding of Test and Steph. Is Test and the, Steph are getting married. Test and Steph are getting married, finally. Is, no. it the, is it the Savage Elizabeth music? I nearly said the Hogan Savage music. Together, our love will last forever, brother. Our cocaine will run forever. <laughs> they were yeah, out so, yeah. slow-mo. The soppy cam was all the Vaseline on the lens. It's happening. Baby Boy Smith has been tied to something backstage. All the, all <laughs> all the, the bins, bins have been removed. <laughs> There are no bins within a three-mile radius. There's just rubbish <laughs> everywhere outside, but it's worth it David for this. Smith's been tied up outside playing with a title shot. <laughs> He's stuck in a tree like Father Jack come out of the plane. <laughs> but it's okay. Everything's all right. Nothing can go wrong. Nope, it's and all now fine. we get to the line. If you've ever seen any soap or TV or film, if anyone has just cause against this marriage, please speak now. My time! My time! <laughs> Wait, what's Triple H doing there? He reveals, with the power of the video guy backstage, that they went to Vegas. And I remember you saying last week that apparently it was Linda <clears throat> McMahon who went, why don't you go to Vegas? Linda McMahon paid for her to go to Vegas on her Hindu bachelorette party for you Americans, which leads me to believe that Linda McMahon was in on it all along. <laughs> Linda McMahon, who raised the briefcase in King of the Ring 99, <laughs> and Linda McMahon, who married... Linda McMahon is, is influential in changing the shape of this business, and we don't even know it. She's getting why very she was... Metal Gear solid now with, like, this mysterious person behind all the scenes. She is zero. She was... Do you know, I wonder why she was so emotionless when all this was going on? <laughs> the nanomachines are running up. She's <laughs> like, Linda... Go drive the oh. Hummer. <laughs> anyway, quadruple agent Linda McMahon made Steph go to <laughs> Vegas where something happened. We'll get into that later on. She ended up pretty out of it. Um, probably some terms for that. I can't say the podcast. Pretty out of it. She whitened, maybe, maybe possibly. And then Triple H picked her up. His pink Cadillac. Drove, drove her into a car. <laughs> I can't do that. Through the 24-hour White Chapel, only 40 bucks to get married. Just saying, but, you know, I was there. <laughs> you were. With Sam and Ross tied the knot. Was it the same? They're all the same there. No, um, but oh, oh. I'd love it if, if, if Ross and Sam got married at the same wedding as... Oh, I didn't the think same, about... The same oh, chapel no. that we're about to talk about. You know what? Don't watch the episode of SmackDown. Take a word for it. Yeah, it was the same. All right. um, only 40 bucks, marrying and KO'd Steph. He, uh, Triple H goes, yeah, yeah, it's me, Triple H from TV. Oh, you're so famous. Uh, you're better than Jericho. Uh. <laughs> and then he makes Steph go like, yeah, I do. Um, but blocks of the field of vision. The worst and one, ventriloquism one, I mean, you've ever seen. It's pretty funny. Uh, so they're married, which means if they're married, Test and Steph cannot get married. They could do polyamory, but <laughs> that's, that's a conversation for a different day. But <laughs> it would be polygamy if we did it today, so it's off. Wow, that's really getting to him. And then Triple H says, <laughs> it's not did we, Vince, it was how many times did we consummate the marriage? Rape! 
I mean, all right, yeah. cool. That's a bit that would hang up. There would be a saving throw for that later on. So yeah, it's but right. it's a it's a it's a hell of a long throw, and, uh, and it lets yeah. you think for a long time that a throw isn't coming. Luckily, Test is able to run him out of the recap package, and we cut the live footage of <laughs> Shane McMahon trying to get a big hammer from Vince, who's having none of it. Uh, on the subject of this wedding that we've just been recapped, so the wedding took place on Monday Night Raw. Oh, yes, uh, preceding this episode of SmackDown. You, I think you did at the beginning. Uh, the wedding drew 7.26 million Jesus. viewers. So that's more than the uh, Lana Bobby one. Just putting that do we, out Do we there. need any more proof that test was not a draw? <laughs> um, it gets better. Uh, Inside Edition did a feature on this wedding. Inside Edition? To... <laughs> Inside wow. Edition thought this was real. <laughs> Inside yeah, Edition like, thought a woman wrestling. had been roofied and married oh, no. on wrestling television and, and talked about how appalled they were by it. They thought this was real. I'm amazed. Yeah, that's, Inside Edition don't cover like fakey, fakey wrestling. They cover real, real stuff. So they, they thought it was real. They thought it was real. They thought it was real. Inside Edition... <laughs> With this breaking shock story of a man who roofies and marries another woman. I... Where were they when Boss Man was dragging Big Show's dad through the graveyard? Where were they? Not for your uh, insider. <laughs> oh, Just more, like, saying. more like outside edition, am I right? Just say, this seems a very last minute save to help Armageddon along. The pay-per-view only diehards would care about this point. It is but, it is a hell of a hell of a move to try and save a B pay-per-view. Yeah, but end up being one of the best things to happen to WF and Triple H. This is momentum the last next few months. But probably starting the show, Stephanie Man starts the show, and if you thought that last bit was good, you ain't seen nothing <sighs> oh yet. Oh my if, god. If there's ever a segment that sums up some of the crowds that would show up to see SmackDown. This is it. I'm embarrassed to be a wrestling <sighs> fan after seeing this. Okay, so Stephanie Man comes out. Embarrassed. And she walks the ring, and she's got this, oh, God, my life has been ruined. I can't marry the man I love. And the crowd boos Steph. And to the point where, obviously, the uh, commentary's done in post, Cola Lola have to start off, and even Lola, so I'm going to go, um, what are these fans doing? She was roofied. She was forced to do this. She's the... And... She's she's booed like Mike Ashley at the home games. <laughs> it's worse. It's worse. Yeah. It's actually worse than that. This crowd, not only do they boo her, they chant slut. What? What is... I Right. In 1999, when I watched this first time round, even then, at the tender age of 15, I knew the wrestling fans in the Arrowhead Pond that night were a bunch of f***ing troglodytes. <laughs> I am gobsmacked. <laughs> Go off on one Gobsmacked that you think it's acceptable. Like, what? And I don't, okay, I don't necessarily blame the, the mouth breathers in the crowd, essentially, right? I blame, to an extent, the WWF because they right. have fostered this, and it's partly through Russo booking, among other things, they have fostered this this premise and it's it's wrong and but that's why the crowd react in this way because they're led to believe this sort of thing happens on on the regular and it's okay to chant this sort of thing even yeah. if you're really against the storyline 
Like that's a, that's a real horrible thing to chant. I know you'll be listening to this and going, yeah, but we all know where this goes. We do. We do. The power of hindsight, we know where this goes. But in this moment, and we try and talk about these episodes of SmackDown, in the moment they live in, this is a woman who was roofied, kidnapped, forced to marry, and we're booing her and calling her a slut. This is so uncomfortable. So uncomfortable. Oh, but I mean, Tom, Tom, in fairness, though, it was a different time. Uh, 1999. It was 20 years <laughs> ago. It wasn't, this wasn't like... Things were different back then. Oh, jeez. Anyway, Hebner tells Shane and Vince that Stephanie needs her in a bit that was very blatantly pre-taped and shoved into this bit um, with no attempt to disguise the fact. But it's probably, to, again, extract from the slut chants that are happening. The audio is all over the place here. It's very muted. Again, I think they're doing their mm. best, which means that as long as you can hear them on the network, they were even louder on TV. Well, not TV. Well, it was actually happening. Just all pre-taped. Mm. Anyway, poor Steph speaks in exposition, a sign of things to come, and knows now that the bartender was working for Triple H and drugged her. Again, I'm just saying that that bartender looked like a one. Uh, we use different names. Minda Leclan, but <laughs> just saying. And... The only time the crowd pop or give any responses when she goes, Steph says, Triple H, you used me as a tool. And the crowd goes, yeah, he did. Oh, Woo, Christ. pop. Woof. Embarrassed. Crowd, crowd is so muted, you can't even hear it. Roman sucks. Uh, <laughs> but Steph speaks to Shane and Vince and says, look, I want to deal with this her way, my way, so she can see, keep some integrity rather than having a dad and brother deal with it. And Vincent Shane promise, and this is a—it's a nice way of ending a serious well, issue, uh, serious issue with uh, women being forced upon, and it's dealt with very sensitively to end the segment. Cut to Viscera spraying himself with cologne <laughs> say and it. saying, "Tori's gonna have a night that she's never gonna forget." Basically, in the first hour of this episode of SmackDown, we play sexual harassment hot potato, in which it goes from from Steph who. And to, to quickly knit back to the Steph thing, the thing that made me the most uncomfortable. Oh, go on. The chance, the booze, and the I want to deal with it myself is, is, a, is a magnanimous way of doing it. She was apologizing. She was saying sorry. And it just, it's so uncomfortable. And again, as you say, let's cut to Viscera. By the way, he's talking about it. Mind you, he's putting on his, you know, odor sexual assault. Was he using Adidas here? Because I, 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 and I didn't is, even pay attention to that. This is the depth in which I sometimes find myself watching SmackDown for these podcasts. I I had the bit pause where Viscera's got his quite sad little collection of sprays and a, and, a, and basically the same brush that we have for our cat that he was using just to put through his his mohawk. Um, and the little the little. Please tell me if you can identify what the cologne is because I think it's Adidas, like the the or Adidas no, like or, the, or poor Hom. It's just, I just, it looked like the Adidas triangle on it. I couldn't quite make it out. I was just intrigued to know what it was. Breaking news, Adidas has pulled out the sponsorship <laughs> with WWE. <laughs> Something about not being happy about associated with sexual assault. Was it, was it Oda Lugs? <laughs> oh, speaking of which, before you get on your thing, because this just keeps oh, yeah, on yeah. going and going, as you'll see. Oh, yeah. Uh, this segues into, oh, Kane attacks Viscera backstage, and, and yeah. then it's like, oh, as something's happening, segues into Lugs, the violence against women of the week. <laughs> X-Pac not even trying to hide the fact that she, he deliberately kicks Tori, as opposed to maybe accidentally at Survivor Series, deliberately kicking Tori. The commentator's going, no, he saw that was Tori that time. He just kicked her. 
lugs decide and conquer dot 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 women <laughs> Christ. and then Viscera and Kane brawl into the ring and they get their match that they have when it's only limited to two minutes where they say nothing but big man moves and big man bumping crowd loves it and so did I back then not gonna lie rather than having oh go yeah two like the first bit of wrestling that we're getting on what has been a very uncomfortable 20 minutes 25 minutes maybe of Smackdown so far just two big boys Viscera and Kane I can't help but think whilst this is on like, I bet Viscera smells really nice. That's a good point, actually. I feel like he's the sort. He was the sort of God rest his soul. He was the sort of big lad that would. I think I was this lad for a while when I was much bigger. They would always look like a thousand dollars, and you're like, I want a tenth of the cool they've got because mm. they would come along and they were a bigger set, but they were dressed perfectly and they smell amazing. And I feel like Viscera is one of the one of those bigger lads that smells amazing. <laughs> Like I want like, like a smoky musky smell to him that I like yeah. I, I I like myself like the the stuff that makes you smell a bit like a like a sexy campfire like stuff yeah. like that I can't help but feel like he smells really nice yeah. even on the road I imagine to to ride with Viscera would be quite a pleasant experience because he's probably quite a sweet guy in real life and he probably smells great yeah. and you think that he did that because people saw him wearing a bin bag and went woof. He went, no, 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 I'm going to make even more of an effort yeah, now. Yeah, double so, down. Viscera smells like rose petals backstage. It's like, wow, Viscera's really putting on the effort. If you ever work with Nelson Fraser, could you just... Could you tell us how he smelled? Corroborate us and tell us what he smelled like. I can message Meanie, he might know. Oh, get Brian on. I'll do it. <laughs> one day we will get Brian on. Get Brian Wait, on it. Wakes up from one of the professional job he's doing. He says, <laughs> Matthew from Botchmania asking, what did Viscera smell like? <laughs> Matthew, basically, Matthew's friends with Brian. On, aren't you? So like every, every, I think every week, well, something will come up on this, and I'll, and I'll take, or something will come up in my life, and I'll message you and go, "Can you ask Brian what he thinks of this?" And he it's always, mean it. it's never like stuff he did or matches he had. It's always like you were there backstage doing nothing. <laughs> your, your, uh, like our friendship has brought me many things, um, but it's also brought me closer to the blue meaning. <laughs> and like you're now a conduit. I want, I think me and blue meaning would be best friends. Yeah. Blue me, I am Viscera, and Blue Mini is my odor color. <laughs> anyway, Kane gets distracted by Xbox getting on the mic and Anton Tramp and Golden Kane chasing him outside by bragging about how he deliberately attacked Tori, which would have had a lot more impact if the commentators hadn't just established that on the blogs. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, so Kane loses via count out. He goes back in and chokes Sam's Viscera anyway because he's a sex pest and then scares X-Pac with his pyro. <laughs> the good news is there's no more subtle ancient racism from Lawler. And, oh. <laughs> and wonderful. I must have explained myself very well last week because I got a bit worried because I haven't had no tweets about it. Watch your check now. There'll be loads of going, going, you damn racist idiot, Matthew. You soy boy racist. But the bad news is Viscera still loves assaulting women. So, as you've just said, in the first 15 minutes of the show... Uh, you almost picture WF going, ah, oh, PTC's no big deal, but we'll just make it a bit harder for them to target the specific problems with the, what we'll call, problematic characters we have here on uh, SmackDown. And having three violence against women's back-to-back. To quote Scrubs, a good lawyer couldn't help them here. <laughs> Jesus. What are you doing? What are you doing? Let's double down on the lugs, shall we? Because <laughs> they're happy to spend money. I presume they don't have televisions. <laughs> yeah. I wonder how long lugs last, because I'll miss it when it's gone. Oh, we, we get extra lugs I know, right, right, right. Oh, oh just you wait. I bloody love it. But do you think they should have gone the other way? And so they opened up WF New York, like, 
Hello, can I take your order? Welcome to Riff New York. And they go, uh, yeah, can I get the uh, Roofy Wedding Sandwich? Um, uh, <laughs> the Smelly Vista Go. <laughs> the lovely Smelly Vista. And it smells like elderflower. Backstage, Al Snow is watching his match with The Rock on Raw. And it's a clip of The Rock hitting the people's elbow on him. And Mick Foley shows up and is completely oblivious <laughs> to how annoyed Al Snow is at watching it on repeat and going, yeah, look at Rock go. Look at how good he looks. But then um, Al Snow's getting angry about it. And then Mankind with a mouthful of food is going, See, it looks like a misunderstanding as the rock taunts <laughs> over Al Snow, bounces across both ropes, and very and very clearly drops an elbow on him. Mankind going, he was a misunderstanding. <laughs> I love, I love him so much at this point. Yeah. He's so brilliant. And Alan insists he did it to him deliberately when he said Al Snow. Because well, I'm got any context here. He said Al Snow came to the ring to help Mick fight off some guys, and then the rock. <laughs> The rocket the mule's elbow on Al. <laughs> it's very hard to argue with this point. The rock is a full-on arsehole. <laughs> but uh, then that's not different. And after the break, Mick Foley's trying to find the rock, but helps us up with some free candy. That's a, and that's the segment. Great segment. Great segment. Literally, just one of these little jars full of candy. <laughs> she was a dirty sock hand in. <laughs> anyway, Edgy Christian versus the Dudley Boys. Do you know where Edge was at time of broadcast? I know. Edge was in Romania when Doing this was going live. Highlander Ooh, three. Endgame. Was that four? Might have been three. I don't know. Definitely wasn't the source. <laughs> the source? Which one was that? Oh, that was the last one. It was the worst one. Was that not four? Spoonie did an amazing review of Highlander. Spoonie, the source. by Christ. Who wants to live forever? Um, Highlander Endgame uh, was being filmed in this particular week. Adam Copeland was filming his scenes. Mm -hmm. So he was off uh, off the house show run from the 1st to the 8th of December. Thank you, pardon. It was Highlander 4. It was Highlander 4. Highlander 3 was in 94. I haven't seen it yet. According to Rotten Tomatoes, 11% of critics gave the film a positive review <laughs> based on 54 reviews with an average rating of 3.2 out of 10. The site's critics' consensus reads, the fourth and supposedly last Highlander movie is a confusing mess, complete with bad acting and dialogue. Yay, Edge, you think you know me. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I'm going to wait end it. Hey, hey. <laughs> but I've only seen Highlander 1, I think a lot of people have seen and liked. I think it's a great idea. Maybe some of it's not aged very well, but I think it makes up for it for its charm and idea and everything else like that. And just nice performances by Lambert and Connery. Mm. Have you seen Highlander 2? I have not, no. Good God almighty. <laughs> what a mess. Oh. What a disgusting mess. Are the and Highlander that, films not like notoriously all a bit, with the exception of the first one, all a bit crap? Two, I think, is the reason for that. Oh, really? Because, yeah. I mean, you've got to watch it. And also, there's the, well, the DVD comes with a, one of these great making ofs where the guy, and it's always great when it's like a bad film, because mm. no one sets out to make a bad film. So like, we had this idea, and we did this, here, and they go, Oh no, and then it all went wrong. It all just all went wrong. The train went off the tracks, then it hit a nursery, and then. <laughs> Whatever. But then, it, yeah, so that's worth a watch if you like bad films, because it's disgustingly bad. It's tremendously bad. Oh. Okay, the funny thing being, I'll, I'll stop talking about Highlander, but. No, never. I'm never sure there's, I'm sure there's some crossover. Because, of course, Highlander 1 has a very famous scene that was shot in. Supposed to be Madison Square Garden. But it couldn't have been because some of the wrestlers weren't working for a company that could have worked for Madison Square Gardens, the free oh. birds at that point and all that. Uh, but anyway, the Highlander 2 works at the level of, it completely changes all the story. That instead of them being immortals, they're all actually aliens that have landed. Because they went, we're going to make Highlander 2. 
okay, cool. We'll get Lambert and Connery. And you go, Connery died in the first one, quite dramatically. <laughs> it's all right, it's a sci-fi film, just make something up. Oh. So he just comes back and it's like, what are you doing here? Jesus. And the reason is, well, you know, <laughs> I'm a draw. It's like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a draw. Speaking of draws, Eddie Christian versus the Dudley Boys. Clips from Raw. It's a little embryonic bit. We like saying that on the show. The Dudley Boys trying to beat the Acolytes at a card game backstage, and Bubba tries to win with six aces. <laughs> they all, big brawl ensues. Sign of things to come, but they're still the Acolytes. Now still have those crappy T-shirts about Hell, Hell's Henchmen and all that. And, and also, yeah, the Dudleys were pretty on and again and off again with the Acolytes. They didn't have a proper feud at this They point. kept just sort of bumping into each yeah. other. They were just two big beefy tag teams that always found each other again. Yeah. Like Connery and Highlander. <laughs> yes, exactly like Connery and Highlander. And this is the first uh, match on SmackDown for these two teams. We got a long, long feud out of this. Uh, they had their first match on Raw this week. All big bumping and forward rolling from Bubba. God, I forgot what a machine he was. Mm-hmm. His A-Day. Considering the size and everything, he's just a, he's just a giant stunt pad. What, running around, taking every move. It, again, it's a lovely forward roll at one point for no reason other than to slap Christian on the apron. It was a very nice moment. Uh, Devon nails the diving headbutt. No was up. Uh, Lola gets a good line. I don't know what's wrong with Bubba, but I bet it's hard to pronounce. <laughs> he had a couple of good lines this week, did Lola. Yeah. Uh, Christian playing road dog. Means he gets beat up. And then he manages to reverse DT off the top. Crowd goes wild for Edge. Highlander, Highlander. <laughs> but I know the crowd's a bit, the sound's a bit off this week, probably because that's a you know, first segment. So maybe they were, maybe probably they weren't. Probably because the crowd are a bunch of mouth breathers this week. Yeah, mouth breathers love Edge. <laughs> uh-huh. And if you don't believe me, ask Viscera's skanky ho. <laughs> Emporium. Emporium now, is that what we're going with? I was going to go factory. <laughs> Pumping them out. John, oh, can you... Card. Mr. Megorium's Wonder Emporium, that movie. Can you redo the cover with Viscera on the front? <laughs> Viscera's Emporium. I love one week just tweets back, no. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that John, Photoshop John Eilu, who is a, a friend of the podcast, who every so often uh, will pop up in voice, but more often than not on PaintShop Pro, and will create images uh, based on some of the, the weird mental dalliances that either myself and Matthew have or myself and Justin Henry have on the Coltolic Classic Raw review. He is, he basically deserves a knighthood. I'm sure there was one week where we asked him to do something and he just said no. <laughs> I'm sure he's turned it down once and he is more than right to do it. I'm sure it was something appalling. Good. But yeah, Viscera and the Mr. McGorham's Wonder Emporium. Let's push him to see how fighting Oh, that's the <laughs> limit. That's where he's in there. All right, good. Anyway, Edge uses the momentum of the crowd to land the Frankenstein off the top rope on Bubba, but in the process, hurt his leg doing it. And the pain causes Devon to pin him with a small package quite quickly afterwards. What a strange finish. It's the third episode in a row with Edge losing, but with an asterisk, getting the test push. I, I don't know what's up with this weird thing he's going through. He's put over too cool, but with kind of screwy finishes, but not. And now he's doing the same thing for the Dudleys. I don't get it. But Are there some weird story where, like, Edge is clumsy? I don't get it. I don't think it's leading anything, but we can't. we'll see next week. So we've got four in a row, eh? Yeah, let's let's see how we do. The acolytes chase the Dudley boys away. A few that'll never end. The never-ending storyline. Mm. No, no, no. Oh, well, speaking of films whoa. that had unnecessary sequels, Christ. <laughs> Stephanie waiting for Test backstage. He was presumably been driving his car in the night, like the No Easy Way Out scene in Rocky IV. <laughs> <laughs> Test is going to play a blinder tonight. 
Oh, just you An wait. Absolute blinder to the point where I almost say I want to retroactively delete all the support for him. Backstage, Edge has, and I quote, jimmied his leg. BB uh, is having a good old feel. God. <laughs> Does it hurt if I touch here? One no. Can, one can <laughs> what about no? <laughs> I want that to be BB's voice. <laughs> Does it hurt when I do this? I was fine until you showed up, <laughs> And whatever, we're not really bothered about Edge in his leg. What woman has he assaulted this week, Tom? That's, what, that's what's the important thing <laughs> in this show. That's all that matters. And then, in a stunning moment... Also, in this groundbreak episode of SmackDown, D'Lo Brown shows up with the new kiss of death. No longer will Scrubs and No Push be wearing the WF Attitude shirt. Oh, no. That's very 998. Oh, no. D'Lo Brown is wearing the Lugs shirt <laughs> of death. The sign now that there is nothing going on with you in your career, the Lugs shirt. <laughs> A shirt to sell and advertise boots. Isn't it terrible? He even incorporates it when he gets on the mic. Oh, God. And yes, Dilo Brown reminds everyone he has held the European title four times, which makes him the best. The counter-argument there is you've lost it four times as well, matey. Mm. So bring your jacked-up butt the ring, British Bulldog. <laughs> so, and I quote, so I can shove my size 10 lugs boot <laughs> up it. Available now from all good stores. Sadder than seeing De Niro shill bread. This wasn't even the... the, the the most controversial fight that D'Lo Brown had this week. Oh? Oh, this is actually news to me. Well Did I tell you the story of D'Lo Brown versus Mike Graham? Mike Graham? From off of Never Drew a Dime. Yeah, yeah, Mike Graham. What, 99? So, remember what I told, was he doing there? Remember I told you earlier on that this in, in the last seven days, WCW and WWF have crossed paths in Canada. Oh, okay, right, right, right. So... Mike Graham was working for WCW at yeah, this point. Of course. He was just chatting back and forth with D'Lo and a few of the other lads, a few jokes bouncing back and forth. Yeah. D'Lo Brown uh, sees Mike Graham chatting away. And Mike Graham's talking about what he's doing in WCW. And D'Lo says, You old guys would do anything for a paycheck. Like in joke form, like bit of banter. Oh, okay. Mike Graham misread the room. <laughs> Graham didn't take it as a joke. And Graham said, to quote from the Wrestling Observer, Graham came back with a line to the effect... Oh, no. Oh, no, of, I just realised what's happened recently. ...of having wrestled for 25 years and never crippled anyone. Oh. Of course, a sensitive topic because of the incident with Darren Drozdov. Arn Anderson pulled Mike Graham away and had a chat with him. Mike Graham came back and the two shook hands. And from that point, acted like nothing had happened. I had never heard of that. It's insane. <laughs> Graham's a silly boy. The entire situation was said to have taken five minutes, according to the Wrestling Observer. <laughs> Dave Meltzer adds, Scott Hall's involvement in said situation was said to be limited to being there and staggering around looking for people to go to a local strip club with him. There That's... is also talk... <laughs> Not about the strip club. At this point, there is also... In the same way that DDP is testing the waters with WWF, D'Lo Brown is testing the water with WCW. And there has been some discussion about D'Lo, who's coming uh, up to the end of his contract in two months' time, going over to Atlanta. Mm -hmm. uh, Jim Ross, who is in charge of signing wrestlers for the WWF, uh, has said that actually D'Lo Brown's contract has 18 months on it, lads, not two. Uh, <laughs> however, WCW sources then claimed, no, 
D'Lo Brown's coming out of his contract in January and he's coming to us. So, like, the most the most casual bidding war <laughs> is starting for D'Lo Brown. With WCW saying, wow. he's coming over here. And Jim Ross going, no, nah, he's not. He's signed for a bit longer. And them going, no, he's not. He's coming over here. <laughs> Who's going to blink first? Exactly, yeah. D'Lo Brown, uh, possibly in Atlanta soon. We will see how this pans out. Is that why they put the Lug shirt on him? Oh, we'll make sure you're not worth a penny Do you reckon when we're done with you. They're revivaling him. <laughs> well said, yeah. <laughs> but then, ah, that's fascinating to think of if that had happened, if we traded D'Lo for DDP, <laughs> some sort of NFL draft style. I was thinking, uh, like, NFL draft, I was thinking the hostage right, situation, like oh, dying of the day. <laughs> like they got bond, like they got they got bond out of that prison in exchange for a criminal. Oh, good, we can stop giving Dino Brown scorpion torture on a daily basis. <laughs> All these scorpions just stab him and go lugs, lugs. <laughs> but Dino's promo here was really quite passionate. Puts over the fact that like he cares about the European title. I was the only one who cared about that European title. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Good argument to make. Because last week, Bulldog. After getting into a bit of trouble, left without it. <laughs> oh, no. Lest we forget. Like, I'm glad they tie that in in some, in, probably in a completely accidental fashion. Yeah. I'm I'm struggling to think, though. Like, D'Lo Brown going to WCW at that point, maybe he could have... Stop eating biscuits. That, maybe that could have been... Um, so, God damn it, Tom. The only criticism we get of the show is, can you please stop eating the ones the bike? I'm trying to think of uh, Bulldog. God, oh, my, look what you've done to me. <laughs> Who's that? Who is the mystery Who's man that? in sin? It's, it's Pikachu! <laughs> <laughs> it's Clefairy! <laughs> Clefairy! <laughs> it's Paul Bearer. <laughs> oh. Anyway, the point is, Dino Brown going to WCW at this point, he, wow, that would have been interesting because yeah. I can see if the WCW may have done... Wait, no, what was WCW like back then? Uh, yeah, what, but th no, here's the thing, right? I think he'd have done all right. Because he's an ex-WWF guy, yeah. so there's stock. Vince Russo's over there at the moment. And he was a Russo guy. And he was a Russo guy. No, wait, at this... I reckon, I reckon had he gone over, I think Spring Stampede would have been main event, Jeff Jarrett versus D'Lo Brown for the world title. <laughs> but that's a thing. If Russo stays, maybe, but then he's out and Sullivan takes over. I don't think Sullivan gave two squirts of piss about D'Lo, so <laughs> sorry for saying that, but... It's me, me listening to Cornet. Oh, like, but so that's oh, it's interesting. Yeah. Because that may have been. So, anyway, go, we're going to rabbit hole. Let's go back to the show we're making a Bulldog. So Bulldog has the Mutual <laughs> Posse with him again. Thank Christ. Yeah, after the, I was worried. Yeah, after they played the roles of getting Rikishi over last week, and I don't think he could have. Double, double duty on SmackDown, the Mutual Posse. I mean, oh, Tom, we're just human beings. D'Lo <laughs> right. Brown gets a chunky slam, rather like these lovely cookies that we're <laughs> pretending not to slam. eat. As Bulldog avoids landing on his back, and then that wasn't bad enough. D'Lo Brown tries the running power bomb. Bulldog realizes that might be the thing that ends me and sends me to the Never Realm, uh, and bumps so loosely on this to send D'Lo Brown over Bulldog and landing on Bulldog's coccyx. Venus interferes, uh, too much rejoicing, and a very tepid brawl breaks out where no one's quite sure what's happening. But it's not a match, so it's all right. I have to ask Oof. about this this running powerbomb that became a bulldog hurricane rana. The, the 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 laziest, bulkiest hurricane rana I've ever seen. Was this an audible? 
was this was this bulldog who would agree to the running power bomb and then in the throes of the match realized what a running power yeah. bomb was and went yeah. oh no i'm effed yeah. <laughs> mike graham appeared in the clouds <laughs> like mufasa go to dagobah <laughs> <laughs> bulldog. bulldog my son <laughs> It's etched in stone! Just like <laughs> the remains of your spinal column! <laughs> Where when the for the third visit when the night <laughs> the clock strikes three! The third visit from the posse! Uh, <laughs> yeah, so like cause it looked it looked for all intents and purposes like like Bulldog had decided mid-move, nah mate, you're alright. <laughs> and they kind of rolled with this hey. counter. Thank you. They rolled with this counter that looked like Bulldog did nothing other than just not to go up for the move. Delo spun in midair like he'd taken a Hurricane Rana, and the comms were dead quick on it to go, oh, I want a counter by Bulldog. Which leads me to think that that's what they were going for. But then I, but then it looks so crap, I'm not sure. And, and Bulldog is, has just got a reputation now for being so stoic in the ring. Like... The idea of him taking a back bump like a running power bump. You know, the move that probably Bulldog realized, hang on, this ended Draws with the greatest of respect to Draws. Bulldog with his with a back that basically <laughs> resembles that time when you stacked a load of beer mats together <laughs> to form a, to, to form a little house. <laughs> Didn't really fancy taking the move. Yeah. His spine is one running power bump away from being a stuck slinky. <laughs> yeah. Uh I believe that I've seen stop motion uh, wrestling figures on YouTube that had more animation <laughs> than this move. And again, Bulldog wasn't hitting Frankensteiners in like 93 or 88. So I was like, yeah, you know what? 99, I could keep up with these burns. This is the year I bust out my my, my stonewashed jean Frankenstein. With the stonewashed jeans in the... Oh, <laughs> I wonder whether, whether D-Lo said, maybe backstage they were planning... And Dilo went, okay, so I'm going to hit you with a running power bomb. And Bulldog went, no, no, don't. Okay, what should I do instead? Um, Hurricane Rana? Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, yeah great, we'll do that. Yeah, sure. if you can't give me a counter, I'm going to give you a shoot running power bomb. <laughs> anyway, that segment very mercifully ends again. It's not as much we are, but does, uh, stuff is it, there. They don't announce it, but this this does go towards... We're getting Valvinus and Bulldog at Armageddon anyway. Yeah. Do we now add now we add Delo to the match and we make it? Well, we've got a another episode threat. after this, then Armageddon. So right, okay, so we get yeah. to make that. Okay, so that's right. Don't worry, we're getting more Bulldog oh, and Delo. Thank God. Well, what Venus's line should have been after Delo says, "I brought respect to that title." Venus is like, "I've got nothing else going on." <laughs> Where were the posse when Val Venus ran out? <laughs> Triple H shows up. <laughs> the end. Uh, Mr. McClough. <laughs> Mr. McClough, yeah. <laughs> Where was the posse when Valvinus ran out? <laughs> the end. Stephanie is backstage waiting for someone to show up. Hopefully it's Test. But sadly, the worst thing that could have happened happens. It is Test. Triple H shows up in a limo. <laughs> Triple H shows up in a limo. <laughs> Are you ready? Gets the pop of the night from the crowd. And because it's the good DX of X-Pac New Age Outlaws. And they bring trolleys full of presents. Oh, isn't this nice? X-Pac yells a lot and is like, yeah, Kane sucks. Woo. 
Whew, he's really on something on this episode. <laughs> Billy Gunn is a lot calmer. Explain that the Rock and Sock connection of the tag title shot at Armageddon because they're number one contender, uh, one of the number one contendership. That's how you say it. Uh, defeating the Hollies the last time we're doing this show. So, oh, okay. There's absolutely no hype for this. So, thank you, <laughs> Billy Gunn, for explaining this. New York Outlaws start doing their intro, but stop. They're bad, good guys. So. They just stop off. We did to screw the fans. The fans don't care. The fans still love the New Age Outlaws in X-Pac. And they introduce the new member of DX, Vince McMahon. Oh, no, it's it's just Triple H with Vince McMahon mask. Those wascally wabbits. <laughs> it's, it's weird how they go from being, yeah, we're going to kidnap your your daughter and make her marry me to like, <laughs> I will your face. <laughs> and it's an interesting segment we get here because, again, DX are supposed to be bad guys here. And the crowd are just like, whatever, nah, we're going we're gonna to cheer for you. So it's time for the Wacky Wedding Present segment. Where they'll get a prop and then Triple H cuts a line that no one will laugh at. <laughs> Picture frame with Triple H's face. That's quite funny. Shoved in front of a source, that gets a pop. And then Triple H ruins it by going, I didn't think anyone had a bigger head than Vince. No one laughs, so he goes, oh, Jericho. And then everybody laughs. <laughs> oh, Christ. Uh, he gets two toasters. I can never heat up that many buns at once. And then he gets an, <laughs> an iron. And uh, Triple H's line is, an iron? And then he gets some... <laughs> I mean, look, they can't all be singers. Look, yeah. <laughs> and I'm quoting here, ladies and gentlemen. It defense, they can't all be singers. Billy Gunn gives him some lingerie. And they get up. And then Billy Gunn even gets to like, well, I thought it'd look good on you. And Triple H, well, I might fit into it. And Gunn's like, I just did the joke. I just whatever. Yeah, but then but then Xbox comes out with a similar. Oh God, here we go. Similar whammy. I I'm upset because I got you the same. He opens it up, and it's an empty box. Exactly. <laughs> I believe it's like this is what your wife will be wearing on where, the wedding where night. Where the it's box supposed on to be... your head? <laughs> no, man, because kids kids love when you get the box that the present comes in rather than the. Pre- <laughs> Two words for you! Yeah. <laughs> My God. Oh, are they great banter, the, DX? They are when they're awake. Oh, right, so you're being sarcastic. Yes. yes. Um, yeah, Triple H's lines aren't... He's always had that really, really broad stroke of comedy. Broad stroke? Broad stroke of comedy. <laughs> broad stroke. Where he has to be like, get it? Like, yeah. Like, a, a fat guy walks to the room, Triple H is like, whoa, that dude's really fat. Whereas, you know... Road Dog would be like, whoa, he's, this, not, he's, he's so fat, he'd have to make two trips just to haul ass or something like that's that. That's a confidence thing. That's a confidence thing. That's, that's I think that's it, not yeah. having the faith in your joke, so therefore by making it a, a um, an anti-joke, it protects you. <laughs> like Norm MacDonald. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that guy. That's it. By, by, wait, main, wait, 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 by acknowledging, prepared. by going, ha, ha, do you get it? Because it's this. You do it. Like, and, and a lot of people do that because it, as a part of anti-humor, but a lot of people do it because there's a lack of faith in their humor. And one thing that yeah. we've learned in real time in the last week or so, boy, Triple H isn't the best at humor. The love pack, dude. <laughs> but the highlight of this was obviously X-Pac uh, blowing his line and then stalling it at the same time. <laughs> Finally, Road Dog makes it all serious by giving Triple H... Final present, which is a front row ticket for Stephanie McMahon to watch Armageddon on pay-per-view. I mean, she's the, she's the daughter nice. of the boss. I think she'd probably just got a comp. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, so like, my yeah. concern. And, she, and, and, you know, she just <laughs> killed the bit. No, I thought it was a good way to go from 
silly to semi serious. Yeah, oh, oh yeah, but I, yeah, I, yeah, I yeah. She probably could have got one. I'm playing silly buggers, but <laughs> it'd be like me going. <laughs> it's funny though you find like, out. Maybe going to North and going. I'm gonna beat up the top guy. There's a ticket for Andrew Bowers to sit up front. Uh, what? There's no up front at North. It's all standing. <laughs> Until I work there, you clown. <laughs> and then also, the match at Armageddon is now no holds barred. Well, Christ, I hope so. Oh. I mean, it would have been even more horrible. It's like, Vince, it's a singles match. <laughs> it's a holds barred match. Yeah. And you don't know any moves. <laughs> I've been trained by Killer Kowalski. Yay. Like, <laughs> we're going we're gonna to do the World of Sport round system. I'm going to win with a chin lock. <laughs> I mean, I won't lie. That would have been quite funny. Yeah. Catch as catch can. Starla for 40 minutes. It's like that Shamrock 7 match where the police were threatened to attack him if they did anything offensive. Oh. So it's this hugging chip of 30 minutes. It's that. It's like, do some of it. Go on. <laughs> anyway, backstage, Mick finally meets The Rock. And Rock says he'll slap the taste out of Al's face. So a second after saying this, after saying anything negative about Al Snow, also jumps into frame and attacks Rock from behind. So he was apparently waiting the entire time just to hear Rock. I, I, I <laughs> it's love... It's ridiculous, and I love this bit. The whole thing about how... About the about planes of existence in backstage <laughs> angles are incredible. How, like, anything outside of the left and right hand of the camera basically is some sort of like existential black hole yeah and you and it was which 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 scene was it was it was in 1994 and it was it was it was a chap sat down backstage as owen hart i think ran and attacked him Owen Hart was given a interview on Mania, one of the only things that Mania actually had going for it until they gave up on it about two or three weeks later. And then Razor Ramon there we attacked go. him. So there we go. So it's that thing where Owen Hart But yeah, you're right. There. You're right, though. Yeah, because, uh, oh, you're in shot right now. This is the only thing that exists. And Razor Ramon... But is it big room? Yeah. Razor Ramon didn't go through the wall. <laughs> and so basically, all we can assume is that Razor Ramon basically popped into existence. In that brief moment, and then and then that's okay. And I think that's what's happened with yeah, Al Snow here. He that's exactly into existence. It. And it's it's great because he was summoned like Candyman himself, and by he had to say his name. He's been, <laughs> hey, how you doing, pal? Cool, been looking everywhere for you. I was like, oh, Snowman, it's... Snowman, Rock... Snowman. <laughs> the Rock's having a nice time. Rock's having these nice peanut cookies. The Rock likes lug. What do you think about Al Snow? Ah, Al Snow. There you go. And that was it. That's the only thing that I didn't do up here. And mankind is right now caught in a bizarre love triangle. <laughs> the Rock and Al Snow. That must be difficult to write, since n no nobody can be uh, nobody can be assaulted or beat up upon because none of them are women. Speaking of which, instead of a dozen DX segments this week, we're just getting lots of shots of melancholic Stephanie McMahon. <laughs> oh goody! Man, that mind you, Mick Foley heads the ring, and he is brought to you by WrestleMania 2000, then 64. I think a joke has been done to death. Oh hell yeah! WF Volume 4, not sure if it's still in the charts, and Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, the first one. Wow, this is where somebody went, hi, Tom Clancy, we love your books, we're going to make it into a game. And he goes, okay, uh, will there be option for sequels? And their eyes lit up. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I anyway. want to be the kid that walked into a video game shop and went, hi, I don't want to buy Rainbow Six until I've played Rainbow 1 oh, through 5. Oh, God. <laughs> 
You could see that coming from an Uber around the fucking corner. <laughs> you could see not if it was a not if it was a backstage promo. Hey, wait for it, wait for it. <laughs> Richard the third, but what happened to Richard? <laughs> Richard I I I. Speaking literally How heroes. Many killings? Mick Foley. Starts before we got some of the you know, the sore lines and Al Snows and the Rocks. Uh Foley's done what no man has done. He's beaten the Dalai Lama and other ex politicians to become Number one New York Times bestseller. Amazing. Big support here from the crowd. Like, yay. He says, even the reviews of the country that couldn't read it or wouldn't dare touch something a wrestler wrote. So it must have been thanks to all the fans that watched this show because they wouldn't give him any positive press whatsoever. Yeah. And the crowd's like, yeah, get in. This was great. This was like a real underdog thing with Mick Foley becoming the New York Times bestseller. And as you say, it did get a lot of grief. Like a lot of people think, oh, who cares about a wrestler story? But it's so beautifully written. Right. Like from Mick Foley's hand. And he's really open about it. Like I, I, I read the book in about four days. Like I plowed yeah. through it. And, I, and I've read it many times ever since. It's, uh, it's such a, a great read. And how honest he is, even like to the point where he talks about the ghostwriting process that he started and then went, nah, I can't do it this way. Because everybody, it was it was autobiographical mania at the moment in the mm-hmm. WWF. The Rock had one, China had one, and oh. it was all ghost-written stuff. And a good ghostwriter can bring a story to life. Um, the the great Tony Horn, who was a radio presenter in the Northeast, also works as an excellent ghostwriter, and he's written several books on the, on behalf of other people. And he's and he's really really strong at it. He's able to bring out that personality. But the guy who wrote these other books for everybody just wrote the same style for everyone. And it just didn't work. Yeah. And like Mick Foley in this book picks apart the ghost writing process that he went through and then went and to the point where he decided he was going to write it himself. Yeah. He talks about how he wrote it like on notepads on planes and stuff like that. It really kind mm. of romanticizes the writing process. I, I, I remember really that very vividly it. how he describes it. He'd been up all night and going through these different planes and everything. And his wife's like, what are you, have you been doing drugs? He's like, no, what would you be doing? Writing. <laughs> yeah. I speak about ghostwriting and hilarity. Um, I didn't know this. Mike Tyson had a book a while out, and it was obviously ghostwritten some bits. I'm like, mm. oh, okay, because I mean, just what Mike Tyson's, Mike Tyson had a very interesting life, to say the least. But there's a bit in it I didn't realize that, and it got quoted in some clickbait websites that, not alcoholic though, they hate when I would ever pigeon them in the same hole. That's mm. ridiculous, and how dare you even say, it? I'll fight you. Mm. But he quoted about a time where he'd seen, um, uh, the Rick, uh, Rick James go to uh, Charlie Murphy's house and wipe his feet on the settee and all this. And people are like, oh, okay, wait. So he saw the thing that happened in the Chappelle show and then someone like typed out what happened in the book. It was like, no, he watched the Chappelle show segment and went, yeah, that happened. <laughs> and people are like, what? No. He literally goes, right, he goes, yeah. And then this one time Rick James did this. Everyone's like, you just saw the sketch that everybody's seen. Oh my God. I was like, what? Like, like, you put about Johnny Murphy would have said, oh, yeah, Mike Tyson was there, by the way. One of the most famous athletes in the world. Maybe he's to be there incredibly the kayfabe, like Arn Anderson <laughs> is. <laughs> I was it. Tyson was keeping kayfabe. I don't know why I thought we need to bring up that Tyson moment. No, but I like that. Else? I like that. I love that. But speaking of uh, autobiographies and ghostwriting, Jericho shows up and gets booze for the first time in quite some time because mm. you can hit as many women as you like as we <laughs> pull up my collar pull up my collar but how dare you interrupt Mick Foley in his moment of glory uh, and Jericho gets a blinder here I mean he's great isn't it but... terrible though where it's like and again the fans at this point are something else where you attack a woman with a hammer yay you interrupt the big show mourning his dad yay 
Mankind's talking about his book. You interrupt him. Boo! <laughs> Don't insult the mixer. I'll try and find the line next time. But there was a line. They're on you. Who's Ron? Now it's not you at TNN. TNN. Yeah. When they left, went to USA Network, I believe. No, no, no. It is still on the USA at this point because ECW's on TNN. God, that's right. Yeah, that'll become an important thing later on. Yeah. So, yeah, when they were going to the next network, so they were going to TNN. They were going to TNN, yeah. yeah. I believe it was them, or maybe it was with TNN when they went to USA. I forget which one it was. One of them said, who worked for the uh, TV network, said something like, like great. They were, they were happy. Even though the, the monster ratings that Raw was getting all this mm. time, they were happy, and they just buried the fan base. Like, the trog the lights, who, you know... These disgusting man children went back to doing whatever they did and left us alone and all this. It, they were just so happy to go. And I've never really empathized with what he said because I don't think it was very accurate. Until I watched this episode, I'm like, yeah. no wonder they were like, you know, we don't care about the ratings. They're making us look bad. Yeah, it's anyway. so sad. Uh, anyway, Jericho's Big blind to the here. wrestling fans that have downloaded this podcast. For two men to sit and call you troglodytes. You're not a troglodyte. No, no, I'm quoting. You're not a troglodyte. No, I called him all troglodytes. So my best friends are troglodytes. <laughs> Jericho gets booze with the line. Only reason people bought your book, McFoley, was because they thought you died at the end. <laughs> I mean, that's it. That's a quality that, line, isn't it? Well, take a bow. Jericho talks about when he writes his own book. Ah, that'll never happen. Ah, he won't write one yeah. book. And you can tell McFoley is, McFoley is furious, and they start off uh, fighting immediately. McFoley unmasks very quickly. So it's not Mankind, it's Mick Foley, the autobiographer writer. And nearly gets the second rope elbow to the outside. Not seen that in a while. And Jericho just counters it by walking away. <laughs> Very good counter. Jericho on fire here. Uh, he gets the advantage by drop kicking a chair into Mick's face because you can, can't hit somebody with a chair, but if you're holding it in front of your face and you kick it in someone's face, that's perfectly wrestling. <laughs> Jericho... Uh, the commentators talk about Jericho claiming China gave him a concussion after a hammer to the head. That sounds believable, but he was. This well, is '99 concussion, so it's like <laughs> you gave me a bruise. Yeah, a comedy concussion. bump as seen in Tom and Jerry. <laughs> yeah, I think at this point, yeah, yeah, that's a great example. I think at this point in the wrestling world, a concussion is that comedy bump in Tom and Jerry with little Tweety Birds flying around dread. Oh, he's had a concussion. <laughs> it's like a wacky storyline addendum yeah. as opposed to it being right take the next three months yeah. off and rest your brain yeah we've seen the aaron hernandez documentary now it's cool yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. jericho attempts to get the walls but mick blocks it with the claw nice little counter there but yeah. hang on but jericho's able to shrug off the claw and i thought hang on i thought if you've got that thing down there that your nerves are able to and he goes shut up and then stuffs jericho for package pile driver mm. absolutely flattens him out he was He's five foot eleven when he started this match. He's you know four foot three. Nothing. I'll give you an exodrin headache number nine. Hey, and and China shows up to hit Jericho with the IC title. Oh, there we go. That's that match over, right? Yeah, whatever. Except Mick Foley accidentally bumps into Miss Kitty. God knows why she was on the apron. And while he's checking on her, because he's a good guy, Jericho no sells the IC title shot and rolls him up for the win. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Biggest win of Jericho's career. I'd say so, and it makes sense given Foley's decline, as we've said in the previous episodes. Yeah. He's paggered. Yes. I mean, he's been paggered for quite some time, but yeah. now he's like, no, I'm shoot paggered. <laughs> but this was this was very this was very good. I like seeing Jericho, even though it was a little bit shonky, getting a win over mankind. Yeah. I think it raises his stock to yeah. be amongst it with like the top the top echelon. And as far away from Triple H as possible. Yeah. And it was funny though seeing Foley and Jericho wrestle because 
they pointed out, Foley said he'd wrestled Jericho many times, but he never pinned him. So at the Hall of Fame ceremony, eh, Jericho let him pin him. Oh, yeah, I remember that a few years that's ago. That's adorable. It's like, one, two, three. Yay, I got it. <laughs> Funny me. And that's, I, I like the effort that they put into that because Mick Foley also had many good matches. This was pretty ex- acceptable for the standards. It was, a, it was a, a pocket full of people who were incredibly giving mm-hmm. to roster stars that were coming up. Yeah. And, and Mankind and The Rock were both amongst it. It was really nice to see where you had this guy at the top who was establishing establishing himself as a top guy but kind of kind of burying people in order to do it whereas you had two other guys who are very comfortable in the magnitude of their star power who are very very giving it's a bit like in my old previous form of life it's a bit like the one time where i had coffee with the man who drives new york city home and the and i once had dinner with the man who woke ipswich up the guy who woke Ipswich up was very much, I'm a big star. Do you know who I am? The guy who drove New York home was the nicest human being, the most giving, caring, interesting, and interested person I've ever met in radio. One of those where he was a bit of a hero of mine, to get to meet him was amazing, but it was that whole thing of he had nothing to prove, whereas the other chap I was with probably felt like he had something hmm. to prove. He had to sort of fluff his chest out a little bit. And with Triple H, like he feels like he has something to prove, which is why he'll throw in those digs, ah, Mankind, ah, Chris Jericho, ah, Test. Because he needs to. Rock and Mankind don't need to. They don't Mm. need to prove their star power. And they will be giving and as a result become, retain their star power, possibly even become bigger stars for it. Mm. Well said, Tom. But also, self-confidence and, not not self-confidence, self, self-knowing, that's not right. It's a much better term for it than that. Being comfortable in yourself and your abilities. Being comfortable in your own skin. Yeah. Bit of that. I've blown this one. <laughs> Not my words. The words of Matthew Gray. Photoshop John. Surveying Rise one night. <laughs> sometimes the words... The words are in your head and sometimes you have to look up going, where are you? Uh, where have you gone? Hang on, let me triple H that gag. Did you get it? Did you get it? Did you get it? <laughs> I said, did you bring mm. your scissors? <laughs> Austin? Oh, breaking news. Do have exclusive news. I'm surprised you haven't brought this up on the Wrestling Observer. Um, Austin got hit by a car, right? <laughs> and he Inside needs... Edition did a special. Right, right. <laughs> Inside Edition. Like, not only when this was going on was, you know, roofies and whatever, but also Steve Austin needs neck surgery. Mm-hmm. Do we have to exclusively reveal, finally? <laughs> Something the Observer's been talking about for weeks. <laughs> Exclusive reveal. We control the means of communication. Yeah, uh, WWE insisting that his neck will be healed in two months. Yeah, uh, that died. That was awful. Sorry. Kurt Angle is here. To no pop, because they're not getting it yet. And what a, what a crowd be doing anything with Kurt Angle on this show. Uh, Kurt wants a tag team match. And he's gone out and got the best tag team partner possible. And that is Steve Effin Blackman. <laughs> no one what we know now, it's like, yeah, that, that's fair enough. But back then, it's like, it's just Steve Blackman. So, so true. crowd doesn't care. Who they do care about, though, is the headbangers. Yeah. Big pop for the, are you still around? <laughs> Have you been hired all this time? Tag team. Uh, I'm smelling five-star ratings here for this match. You're right in what you said a second ago about no, knowing then, not knowing then what we know now. Like Angle and Blackman at this time to tag team, like, oh, the boringer and the boringer. <laughs> yeah. In 2019, 
if Kurt Angle and Steve Blackman at the top of their ability were a tag team, they'd be unfriggin' yeah. stoppable. They'd be DIY. They'd yeah. be like unbeatable. Yeah. Plus, like probably the hardest tag team in all of wrestling. They'd maybe. be intimidated yeah. to face. Like Angle and Blackman coming at you would yeah. be intimidating. But at this point, it was oh the dull, the dull lads, yeah. <laughs> the doldrums. Yeah. Funny, oh, the, yeah, but the headbangers have dresses on. Yay! Come on, man! Apparently somebody tried to sexually assault them backstage. So Lola is mortified at a prestigious wrestler like Angle having to wrestle these buffoons and gets a nice line here. It doesn't make too much sense, but their attics are dusty. I like that. I think it's one of those quick lines you don't think too much about. It goes, yeah, that's good. Quite like that. Anyway, Blackman tags himself in, and there's a noise angle because he's doing a good job and something, whatever. Some weird post-commentary from, I thought it was Michael Cole with a sore throat, but it's definitely Kevin Kelly. There's a lot mm. of post doing in here. Probably to drown out the horrible crowd they've got. Yeah. Uh, that's probably the notable bit. Other than the very end bit where the headbangers, to their funny, and I forgot about this, they try and get whipped towards each other. Mosh and Thrasher yeah. in the corners, whipped towards. But instead of like, well, function at the junction and all that, um, they do the <laughs> big butt clap. The butt clap, the mosh, <laughs> like a mosh pit dance, or as, or as commentary called it, slam dancing. <laughs> yeah, they would come up with words because I've been in many a mosh pit. I've never seen anyone do a flying butt clap. <laughs> Wee! You've been to the wrong mosh pits, mate. Oh, clearly. <laughs> with a, with a... <laughs> Good morning. Come to my mosh pit and slam me, Bob. <laughs> my mosh pit's got lugs. <laughs> but then it gets a bit higgledy piggledy because I'm not sure if they're expecting that. Like, oh yeah, they do do that. Oh, um, <laughs> so the the wrestlers ignore this. There's some stumbling and fumbling. Uh, Blackman kind of knocks one of them into angle, and he gives him the angle slam, and he pins him, and it's like. Well, that worked. There you go. Because I'm sure that's one of the things you have to do for the training the athletes and the, the fox hunter or fox catcher. It's an Olympic big, Something else like that. It's like, yeah, okay, that guy, that guy in the dress, he's going to butt clap and then you're going <laughs> to hit him and you're going to hit the angle. Right, okay. Uh, basically, that was Atlanta 96, yeah. right? But this is definitely Angle's first feud. I do remember this. And it's... We are building to Angle versus Blackman. We certainly are. Oof. I mean, event in any country. And again, like... At this time, it's like, oh, the boring lads are fighting. In 2019, both lads at the top of their game. Whoa! Backstage, <laughs> finally, the mega powers collide. <laughs> Stephanie and Test hug. Oh, but it's a, and it's, horrible. it's the worst kind of hug. I had a hug like that from an ex moments before she became an ex. Oh, and it was, no. And it was soul-destroying. And, Ooh. right, the difference being, difference from my hug and this hug. My hug came from a relationship which had broken down communication-wise. Two people, they still cared about each other, but weren't in love with each other anymore. Right. This is a man refusing to hug his fiance because she got roofied. Let's think on that. And this is Steph, who got roofied and was married against her will, as far as we know. We don't have the... We're doing this as we see it. Hindsight's twenty twenty. We know where this goes. But at this point in time, it is a woman who, on her bachelorette party, was roofied, knocked out, got married. She has stood in front of the man she was meant to marry, and she is saying sorry. She did nothing wrong. And Test has the opportunity here 
to, to really to do the right thing. Test is in the same building as the man who did this to his wife to be. He's in the same building, probably 100 yards down the corridor. He doesn't go and see him. He goes to see Steph to make a woman who has been roofied and forced to marry and possibly sexually assaulted, goes into that room to make her feel even worse. Take back everything I said about Test. You are a scumbag. <laughs> scumbag. This is again, this is, right? This is worse than N64 Test. No, Tom. <laughs> this is worse. This guy, had this been me, I'd have been in, like, why is it the father-in-law is the one with a bat ready to fight the man that roofied his daughter? Why is it not Test? If it had been me arriving in that arena, I would not have rested until Triple H's bollocks were hanging above the roof. Like, I'm going to go and see Steph and look stroppy, you bellend, you prick. F*** off. I love your monologues on this show. <laughs> oh, Test, I don't think anyone has talked about Test as much as I have. Oh. And I'm counting the WWE booking committee. Yeah, But you, you are right, because there are a lot of people, myself included, who the memory is, when they were doing all this back in late 99, why wasn't Test winning the title? Or why wasn't Test wrestling Triple H? I'm why getting... wasn't it Test versus Triple H? Yeah, right. For the right to... What for? For the right to marry. Why so. was it not Test and Triple H? Yeah, and we go that and we go, why is that? If you just watch the pay-per-views, and then you watch the weekly show and go, oh... Oh, that's why. Because he's an absolute bellend. They booked him to be... Like all the other long-haired Canadians on the show, cooked to death. Because he's an absolute loser. So Stephen Test hug, and she's like, "I was drugged. I still love you. I'm still drugged." <laughs> that may or may not have happened. But yeah, Test is completely useless and leaves Steph and the crowd, who again popped for Test because they think, "Okay, Furious Vengeance time, right?" And he goes, yeah. "Oh, I'm not sure. I don't know. I feel." She says, "I still." you do you still love me like uh, nothing nothing has changed except i got assaulted yeah except... do you still love me oh i don't know you bellend you're just waiting for flair to show up and go woo she's damaged goods test <laughs> woo! Right? Oh, i hate you flair for saying all that and <laughs> yeah. flair's just like eh. no one that's how we just like that i'm gonna say all the stuff to annoy you and just get away with it because I, I can say anything innocent and you're still gonna get annoyed. savage who is fiery at flair for saying bad things about the woman he loved made a note, right? The only similarity between Macho Man Randy Savage and Test is the use of the friggin' elbow drop, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Macho Man, who, who was the opposite end of the spectrum, who protected his loved one with his goddamn life. Mm. And then there is Test, who's, if he's not playing N64, <laughs> trying to figure out why he can't get off the snooker table on Micro Machines, <laughs> he is turning, he is making a woman who was assaulted feel like shite what a bell end you know why he's mad because he just found out unreal tournaments never coming out for n64 <laughs> steph i pre-ordered it steph mute keeps on moving <laughs> i'm trying to take a photo with a pokemon snap say hello to a new era of mental health care cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support 100 online you'll experience the all-new Cerebral Way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both, 
in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's best sellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com, code GLOW. That Charlie comes to the ring, and as I'm again, it's brought to you by Mech Warrior 3. Only one of those things weighs over 400 pounds. <laughs> and this match is brought to you with Hardcore Holly and Commentary. Yes. Oh. God, yes. Oh, thank God. Happy days are here again. Yes. So, Too Cool come out, and they're now very steadily getting away of being very popular, getting cheers and everything. Uh, Hardcore Holly says they're not super heavyweights, they're oversized midgets. And then they're obviously joined by their new pal, the new homie, Rikishi. Hargali says, ah, it's just a little too small to be a super weight. Not like Crash Holly. <laughs> so it's Crash versus Rikishi. Crash dies very quickly. This is a nice showcase of Rikishi. It, it, yes, absolutely. Annihilates him. And then two cool dance. And the pops are nice. And they're made even better, as Hargali Holly says, as they dance, I can't stand bad people. <laughs> <laughs> very quick segment, but very enjoyable. Yeah, that was nice. Nice way to yeah. to get over Rikishi. He's got a he's going to be at the pay per view in a couple of weeks. That's right. Mm-hmm. Can't wait for that. Oh mate, I wait to see his tag team partner. Funny who he's just showed up uh, after someone got hit by a car, though, isn't it? Isn't it just my friend? Oh, oh, no. oh no. wonder what that's about. Hmm. The Rock is he? Oh. <laughs> yada yada yada. Rock rock rock. Does his usual thing, talking this and that. Crowd loves it, but I do. It did. Oh, it didn't, wouldn't always bring this up, but he would bring it up with guys like Ken Shamrock and Al Snow. And he goes, "You're going to come out here. Your crappy music is going to play." <laughs> hey, that's a real <laughs> insult to come with a man's theme music because they, they're like. I didn't compose it myself. <laughs> I call Jim Johnston. One, two, three, four. You know. Well, he would. He would bring up the big shows theme music. In promos. Yeah, that's right. I think well, he, he did one where he said, yeah, theme music will play. Well, it's the big slow. And the crowd will go, I'm taking a leak. This guy sucks. Didn't, didn't he quote Billy Gunn's music as well? He went, I'm Edge. an asshole. Oh, I don't remember that one. The Edge was like, no, it wasn't Billy Gunn. It was X Factor. Uh... On one hand, Edge has a tele-defense now. So that's nice. On the negative side, no one's going to watch it because they're going to hear that X Factor theme song and switch off another channel. <laughs> really? Did you pay guys for that? Oh, brutal. 
Anyway, there's a really, really nice camera shot here that I should have gift, but I didn't. Couldn't be asked. Where it just shows like the camera panning and Rock doing that thing, where his eyes are shut. Oh. And he's, he's like a flower absorbing sunlight. Just, that's it. Give me a, give me your strength. It is just a shots like that are a reminder of why this was away from some of the horrible stuff we've talked about in this. Like this was such a great era. Like the Rock was at yeah. the, almost the height of his power. Yeah. Like, and, and you're seeing this, you're watching, like you say, like the crowd who are just hanging on his every word. And he is he is stoically absorbing it, like you say. Like, like, like photosynthesis is occurring in front of your very eyes. And you watch this and you go, God damn, this isn't even his final form. Right. Like, this is actually, this is near the, near the, the rock bottom, pun intended, of how popular the rock will become. Mm-hmm. Wow, it's amazing. And I'm going to take my mouth off the rock's penis so we can continue this podcast. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you. Well, there's a cue for and Tom, so much. <laughs> and here comes Al Snow. It's Al, yeah, he's good. Yeah, <laughs> Al Snow is about to get some star... So you're about to, about to get some, some stardust off the rock mm-hmm. here. Yeah, to, to touch with greatness. Mm. So... Rock decides, you know, because he's friends of Al, that he, uh, friends of Mick, that he will sell one move and one move only. <laughs> Choose your move. Yes. And uh, Mick Foley's watching his best friends wrestle on TV. And like a lot of us in that position, are probably hoping they're going to start making out. And <laughs> Al Snow uses a chair and rock uh, on, on the outskirts of the ring. So as the referee is distracted by admiring the rock, I imagine. Uh, this allows Rock to get his breath back uh, from destroying Al Snow. And after recovering and remembering that, ah, oh, yeah, I'm the rock. Just destroys him with absolutely no effort shortly afterwards. But you can't spell salt without Al. So he attacks Rock afterwards with his decapitated women's head. Al Salt? I can't can't spell salt without Al. A-L. Ah, I see. Salt, S-A-L-T. With you. Salt snow. Like it. And salt's good for snow. Nice. New Age Outlaws show up. <laughs> to play Dance Dance Revolution all over the Rock's prone body. <laughs> but Mick Foley saves during the break because there's some weird episode in editing. So we get that recapped. And we move on to the main event. Yeah, so the New Age Outlaws run out at the end after Al Snow is pinned. They attack Rock and then they leg it back. Only yeah. to, I presume, hang around in Gorilla for three minutes because then they're yeah. coming out for the main event. <laughs> Again, it's, it's weird, weird with the editing episode, but uh, whatever stuff happens. There's something about like the way that these shows are paced. That I watched Raw this week. I, I don't normally 2020 Raw, Raw. 2020 Raw. Okay. I don't normally watch, you know, behind the curtain. I don't normally watch Raw every week. <gasps> my my normal consumption of Raw is reading results and watching the highlights on the YouTube channel whilst having a poo in the morning. That is how I consume Monday Night Raw normally. Uh, the last two weeks, I've covered graded. So, I've watched Raw. And the pacing of the show is so peculiar. Mm-hmm. Because the main event, and we were talking about this in the office earlier, the main event slot is no longer the main event slot. Because the main event slot sort of occurs, as Ross was saying, sort of between hour one and hour two. Mm-hmm. Like, that is where you will put your main event match, because that's where the audience is at its peak. Mm-hmm. So then hour three is almost kind of a dead zone Mm. so that's why like the old school brain that i have will go of all these matches that were on raw last week like rollins and murphy challenging the viking raiders for the titles 
Rey Mysterio and Andrade for the US title in a ladder match. Why is Liv Morgan teaming with Rusev to face Bobby Lashley and Lana the main event? But then the pacing's different. And I've had to sort of learn that recently that shows a pace different. Whereas this, it's almost like you can see throughout the night in terms of matches, it builds hmm. low matches. Uh, the bottom and the big guys at the top, which is why you get weird pacing like this, where you have uh, the Rock and Al Snow with a New Age Outlaws run in, immediately followed by a main event featuring the New Age Outlaws. Yeah. Like, had this been Raw in 2020, you'd have had one of those in the one o'clock in the in the first hour, one of those in the second hour. Yeah, just an observation. Yeah, that's very well observed. <laughs> but never mind from 2020 and silly stuff like, you know, Big Show returning to team up with in a, in a six-man tag team. Match. <laughs> um, the Big Show teams up with the, the Hardy Boys. The rest of the Witch Outlaws and X-Pac. And Big Show has his hair long and untamed to hang out with the Hardys. I like that one. <laughs> Show Hardy. I wish he'd worn, like, the chinos as well. Not chinos, the big baggy trousers that Hardys wore. I want him to dress like a Hardy. You know, go full jobber. Just start dressing like the Hardy Boys. <laughs> Fun-loving Big Show. Big Show in the main event. In what is still yeah. classed as the main event spot. Yeah, and fight, fighting champ Big Show. Uh, Hardy's, it's a very nice match. That was, right, that, yeah. was, that was crazy as last week's stunt-filled five-minute cage match extravaganza, but it's nice seeing uh, the Hardy's are able to outsmart the New Age Outlaws, and now they've got backup in the Big Show, because last time they weren't able to beat them because X-Park was like, I'm not the equalizer here. Uh, commentators talk about Ste Test, not sure what to do with Steph. How you do about here? you go and fight the man who robbed your wife of her innocence how about you do that mate like we should have known when he didn't come after bulldog we should have known at that point that test was gutless like and so i shouldn't be surprised that when in the building where there is the man who who spoiled your big day you're gonna go and make the woman feel bad piss off test <laughs> anyway uh jeff able to do uh is able to counter a double backdrop in a double ddt and it's lovely because instead of the uh, Hardy Boys working the New Age Outlaws match that doing more, more Hardy Boys stuff here. New Age Outlaws being very nice here. Mm. I had no idea about like so you, you, your memory is that they were old and not washed up but the formula was just god by the time they lost the titles to the Dudleys. Yeah. But they were actually still very good in the ring and able to do what they could with their opponents. Yeah. I don't know if they're little ones like this or big ones like the other ones have wrestled. So it's like oh okay cool. So Jeff Hardy playing Road Dog for Big Show's Gun. That works with the both in the match. Well done, Matthew. And um, works, and eventually gets the hot tag to Big Show. Big Show destroys everything. Crowd goes wild. Yeah, good. They're looking like Andre in '83. Fantastic. Booking, making this monster look monstrous. He destroys everything. He destroys gun, dog, Xbox, tests push. Everything in his <laughs> might destroys. <laughs> Tested that on his own. Yeah, and a beautiful ending. Sees, uh, Jeff Hardy miss Air Sabu in the corner, but then Jeff lands on the top turnbuckle. Big Show knocks down Billy Gunn. So Jeff Hardy, still in the turnbuckle, turns round, gets on Big Show's shoulders, and does a swan and bomb off of it. That's great. Beautiful. Except X-Pac stops the pin. You're like, okay, that would have been an amazing ending, mate. So then Matt Hardy just rolls him up to win, like, three seconds later. Yeah, I would have gone with the swan Again, X-Pac was having a good time. Yeah. <laughs> Do you not saying. think that was the planned ending? I think because he didn't have any of those green drinks. Oh. He had to find some of the... Something else that was green that he could ingest. Yeah, kale. That's kale. it. That was 
<laughs> the famous Has drug. Has been sucking that kale again? <laughs> I'm telling you, you could go to rehab for kale. <laughs> no, of Xbox walking out, giving it all like the all the fist pumping action with a handful of kale. And this match is sponsored by Kale. Eat rich. Boo. Oh, sorry. I mean extreme Eat. kale. Yay! Yay! <laughs> RC kale. <laughs> Since the Coca Kale franchises. Kale spelled with an X and a Z. <laughs> And then Bossman making his only appearance on the show. Boo. Attacks Big Show. Well, boo, it's his only appearance. Yeah, come on. Oh, give us more of the number one contender. Yeah, it's a very serious show. So only one Big Bossman attack. <laughs> then The Rock shows up to attack DX. And then everyone else comes out. It's breaking loose. By God, Austin's not here. By God, look at the carnage. Austin is not here. By God, Austin is really not here. Guys, please go <laughs> home. The second schmoz to end SmackDown for the second week in a row. I think they got carried away with how good last week's was. Yeah. But on the plus side, though, the crowd is like, yay, everybody's brawling, yay. Yeah. But, I mean, last week is like a Hall of Fame moment. I assume we uh, get from this some kind of dark match, multi-man tag main. It felt Nothing like... came up when I looked at the results, so... Oh, fair enough. Maybe it's had a big brawl, and then... Yeah, big brawl. The Rock came win. out, and like, pie, pie, pal. Uh, pie, 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 Pie pie pal, yes! baby pie. Pie pie pal, pie pie pal. Pie pie. <laughs> I was trying to go pie pie. Al Snow sucks. Pie Lillian, <laughs> if you smell pie. But I said pie pie Tony, pal. Tony, get in here and taste the strudel. Yeah, yeah. Give him the stone cold pie. Oh whatever. Str- give, screw this train of thought. Give Tony Chibbel a stutter. Every- <laughs> Tess got in the ring, and all the wrestlers went. Boo! <laughs> now, Tess wouldn't get in the ring because it would involve him having to come up with, come face to face with people that are bigger than him. Tess is around the back somewhere, like making a, making a, making a woman working in the canteen feel bad because his soup's too hot. Bore off, Tess. We don't like you anymore. Yeah, Tess, go suck and look at all the jiggies in Rusty Bucket Bay. Go, to, <laughs> go to WCW and they'll call you the demonstration. Demo. <laughs> All right, look, we're getting what's very pra- much... What's practice run doing in Atlanta? Practice run. You can see what with the natural board thrillers. be like, here's above average Mike Sanders and just average <laughs> Andrew Martin. <laughs> anyway, we're, we are talking complete bollocks as usual. And yeah. you're going to have to hack up this lovely podcast, which did nothing wrong until we showed up. Right. So, Tom, what do you remember from this week's episode? I remember... Um, I remember the the volatile reaction that Stephanie McMahon had. A woman that had, in storyline world, been been roofied and sexually assaulted. The volatile reaction that wrestling fans gave her was disgusting. That's what I remember. What about you? I don't remember that because I remember watching this episode. But if I had done it, I would definitely remember that. Uh, I remember the wedding. Yeah, of course. Of course. That wedding is amazing. Yeah, the I don't remember anything else about this episode, but I don't remember the wedding recap <laughs> and the, the eventual rise to whatever. What did you forget? <laughs> what would you like to forget? I'll tell you what I forgot in this one. I forgot um, the Big Show team with the Hardys. I forgot all about that match. And I forgot the Swans on off Big Show shoulders. Yeah, the brief fighting champ Big Show thing. Yeah. It's good to keep him away from all the other dumb stuff that's happening. Yeah, yeah. I think that was. I think everybody seems to be being kept at arm's reach from other people. It's almost like the rest of the equivalent of that puzzle where you've got a fox 
a, <laughs> yeah. a bird and a, a chicken and a bag of and a bag of bag corn of wheat, bag of weed. corn. Yeah, yeah, something. And you have to get them across the river. Yeah. So it's like you've got Triple H, The yeah. Rock, and the Big yeah. Show. They're not allowed to touch. Mm. So I said Triple H across first with Vince McMahon. <laughs> and the boat, send the boat back. We'll send The Rock across with the New Age Outlaws. Yep. Bring them back. We'll send uh, Big Show across with who's left. Um, boss I'm, all, man. I'm all drowned, Test. <laughs> Test doesn't get a boat. Test could sit there. I'm really angry with Test this and week. I can tell. So. I, sh- I should be more angry with Triple H, but I'm more angry with the gutlessness of Test. Yeah, it's a wrestling show where manly men do stuff. And nowadays, though, it's it's weird seeing this. But uh, we're seeing this on 99. But nowadays, you see a lot of it where it's like a lot of it on SmackDown as well, where like, mm. especially with people like Shorty G, she comes coming and goes, oh, short stuff, you suck and are terrible. And you're like, instead of him being like, them's fighting words. I'm going to beat the hell out of you. He's like, well, that's your opinion. And then they'll zoom in on his sad face after the other guy. He'll be like, ah. It's like the soap opera cam where it's like, Mm. now act. And then they wait a few seconds as they fade out and you're like, what the hell is this? Yeah. Beat him up, you idiot. Come at him. Yeah. Throw yourself. Spike Dudley would never take that. Exactly. And he was three foot two. <laughs> anyway, stuff I've forgotten about. Jericho <laughs> dragging a good match out of Mick Foley. Yeah, which yeah, fun. He probably did it like almost deliberately, like, please let me get a good match with you. I need people backstage to stand up for me. Yeah. If Jericho had had a bad match here or angered Mick Foley, that's it. Yeah. Back to WCW with you. Because that's it. We'd have lost all political favor. Yeah. The Rock had fallen out with him, but they get better. Triple H, well, you know. Test, he just ignored backstage. Mm. So you hope from behind people mistake him for him. And then, so he really needed Mick. Yeah. And thank God he got it. And he probably said, yeah, your book's really good as well. Oh, thanks, Jericho. No, I'll put a good word for Jericho, you. Jericho, Jericho immediately throws in the bin afterwards. Just like, Jericho what? had learned that he had to start making some allies, mm-hmm. I think. So I'm glad he did, because he stuck around. Yeah. Which is what we like to he see. He did. I wonder what happened to Jericho. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> and 20 years later, when we're doing this podcast. We're well, going, was oh, that little wrestler? That's when Jericho came back. What happened to Le Champion? Uh, and it's uh, and it's on that note. We thank you for sticking around for the entire time. Until next time, he is at Matthew Gregg. What you got coming up this week, Math? I'm going to do a film in Sheffield. Yes, with, you are. With trauma. I'm going to say I'm doing it. I'm going to be an extra. But they have said, oh, yeah, don't worry. You can die on screen. I went, yeah. We could put a squib on you. I'm like, get in. Oh, my God. A squib is a little bag of blood that goes, and I go, Ugh. I'll sell it. When it when's the film out? Do a flare flop. No idea. <laughs> oh, so look. I out will for... hype the hell out of it. When I know, you'll know. Don't worry. I'll be going about it for. I'll go on about it like Jericho beating Austin and Rock in one night. You know. Ah, oh, look out for Matthew Greg in a trauma movie very very soon. That's right, and it's called Matthew Greg. <laughs> <laughs> That's the name of the film. Toxic Fan Crusader. Oh, I'll be oh. on imdb.com. I just realized. Oh, anyway, anyway. Uh, Matthew talking about himself, blah, blah, blah. Tom, what have you got lined up for? Uh, this week, as you're hearing this, this is the, the week before my birthday. My birthday's oh. on Friday, as you're hearing this. Oh, cool. As you're hearing this. Yes, yeah, this. confuse me. Yeah. My birthday is on Friday. Uh, North Wrestling is on Saturday. If you're in the Newcastle upon Tyne area, come see us because it's the oh, first North God. show of the year. Yeah. It features Eddie Kingston versus Rory Coyle, which basically is a, an event that will make you throff at the gash. And... Jesus. <laughs> They're and... a bad influence on you, Tom. And it is the 1st of February, a.k.a. the end of dry January. Oh, have you been doing that? Hell yeah. Congrats. Getting battered on the course. <laughs> Good to hear. And we'll be there alongside you, along Curtis Chapman. Gia Adams. Yes, indeed. You're knocked on all the other good ones, but I'm very happy to see Curtis Chapman 
Oh, Mad Kurt is coming to Mad North Kurt. Wrestling. That's yeah. exciting, mate. That's exciting. Damn it. Why have we got Eddie Kingston versus Rory Coyle? Why not Kingston versus Curtis Chat? God oh. damn it. That's another trick from the time. He is at Matthew Gregg on Twitter. I am at Tom Campbell on Twitter. Together we are at Cultaholic on Twitter. Don't forget to join us. <sighs> Love you, bye. all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes search cultaholic wrestling news on apple spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from